I can say this. You were actually almost the very first session hairdresser, weren't you? The first guy who made a living purely from doing editorial, which means you were actually at the beginning of fashion as we know it today. I think in England anyway, I mean, I know that I used to work in a salon called Moulton Brown when it, when it, had, um, when it was a hairdressing salon before it, had, it, was, it was the kind of worldwide um, shampoo and soap phenomenon. It was a fantastic, amazing hairdressing salon around the corner in um, South Moulton Street. And, and uh, Vogue used to book the hairdressers from there to do the shoots and they would take the day off work and go and do it. And I got involved with magazines through the salon and then kind of a few years in I thought god I'd prefer to do this than be working in the salon all day I'm liking this a bit more but the industry didn't really exist then it was very 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 small and people didn't really do um, people there were people who did hair and makeup one person did the hair and the makeup for photo shoots or they would get a hairdresser from a salon and um, I became one of those people. And I just decided in 1980, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna risk leaving the salon and setting up on my own um, and um, just doing photo shoots and, and a few private clients. Just to tide me over to what I wanna do and, and, and kind of that was it. And I, I, I think, I mean, I, I, there may have been a couple of other people doing it, but I definitely was one of the first. I don't know if I claimed to be the first, but I was, I was one of the first. I think maybe in Paris and, and New York things were different, although I think people were pretty much always connected to a salon, but then agencies started to appear, you know. There always were a small handful of agencies, but then agencies started to sort of burst out. But then 1980 was the kind of beginning of, of the fashion industry as we know it, maybe late 70s. And how did it work when you headed off on your own, when you first struck out? Did it, uh, did it click? I had enough private clients to do, I think, getting 15 quid a haircut or something, which was fine. I used to drive around and do them. In fact, Paul Smith and Pauline Smith were one of my early clients from the late 70s, in fact. Um, we were talking about that the other day when I, when I bumped into them. And um, um, Paul was saying, oh God, I remember you used to come around in your little car and trim our hair and, and their kids' hair. And, you know, as well as your editorial, which was fine, you know, it was all great. I mean, I loved it, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But I never, I never, I didn't really, I didn't have a plan, I never have a plan. Um, I'm looking, I'm not good at plans. <laughs> <laughs> the plans always seem to go wrong, so I gave up plans a long time You're ago. easily led. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, over a couple of years, I mean, I developed a pretty good relationship with English Vogue and they were very supportive. And Liz Tobaris and um, Anna Harvey were particularly magnificent. And um, I went to New York um, kind of in 82 and, and um, went to see a few agencies because I fancied doing a few weeks in New York because everything seemed to be kind of, lots of things seemed to be happening in New York. And, uh, and I'd worked with a very young American photographer in London, '82, I think, called Stephen Mizell, and it, it, you know, it was all New York seemed very exciting. So I kind of went there for a few weeks and got myself with an agency called Brian Bantry, who were great, and I've been with them ever since. And I ended up living in New York for 18 years. When you look from the outside, it seems that the industry was composed of these of these tight teams. There was the hair, the makeup, the photographer, working together all the time, and eventually the 
models, you know, they, they added their favorite models to yeah. the mix. But who was your who was your team at the beginning? I mean, was there a was there a time that you can or a particular person you can point to where everything just jumped up a notch? Well, Linda Cantella, the makeup artist, and I um, kind of got together by around 1980 and we started working and we worked with various different people. We, we, we worked with people like Tony McGee and Neil Kirk in London. And then when we got to New York, we were championed very much by, um, by American Vogue um, and got to work with, um, I mean, by, by actually Andrea Quinn Robinson in particular, who was the beauty editor at American Vogue at that time. And we, we got to work so quite intensely with Dennis Peel, which was an amazing experience because he was a, an amazing sort of, um, quite sort of sexy fashion photographer. Not sexy himself, his, his work was sexy. Well, maybe he was sexy himself. And, um, and got, to, uh, got introduced to people like Irving Penn and Bruce Weber and, and Patrick Demarchelier, who I still work with a lot till this day. And, um, and, and Bill King and, and Avedon and, and it was um, it was a, a pretty amazing experience. I'm wondering if actually the best things in fashion to me always seem to be about emotional connections and when you're actually up to your wrists and somebody's yeah. hair, yeah. you are making a kind of it is a kind of emotion. It's a quite a primal connection you're making with them. Yeah. It seems to me that that would be what has carried you through that. People feel this. People feel you in their hair. Well, what I love to do on a shoot is I love to get... I'm not really that interested in what she looks like in the mirror before she goes on the set. Because we can prep it. You can do all your um, straightening and curling and extending and colouring in the dressing room. But what, what interests me more is to get in front of the camera and get get working on what's happening in front of the camera and where, where, how she's moving, how the light's working. And, and I love just changing it all there without taking her to the dressing room, just changing it all there. And I can do that with my hands and a few pins or whatever, a couple of wind machines, you know. But I love doing, creating it all there on set. So you'd agree then that the hairdresser actually crystallises the image of a shoot? Um, oh, I don't know, I wouldn't be so... It, presumptuous. It, it, I wouldn't be so presumptuous, yeah. Well, I would, but not on camera. Um, it can do, yeah. Just the same as a flick of an eyebrow or the change of a lip colour can, with the makeup artist can do the same thing. But I think, I think it's, I love the kind of distilled focus of everything that's happening on the set. And rather than taking somebody away and removing them and, and creating this thing that, that can't move when you get it here. I mean, I know some things have to be like that, but I, I mean, generally speaking, I like to be able to, I like, I like my hair that can move and then can change and we can, we can change it as we go along. Have you ever fallen out of love with, with that? No, no, I think that's just me. I think that's, that's, that's how I am and that's not going to change. When you reflect on your, God, it's been three decades almost, or maybe more even. I um, think it's coming up for four. <laughs> I was being nice. <laughs> you have one moment, that one kind of collaboration that you particularly treasure? Well, I had, I, I had a really um, fantastic relationship with Princess Diana, um, who was introduced to me by Patrick de Marchelier back in 1990, and, and I worked with her till the year she died, you know, um, and she took me to, 
she let me into her life, you know, and in a really fantastic way. And I didn't realize fully till not too long ago how much, I mean, really how much that meant to me because she took me to places, she took me to much, she would take me on trips with her. And I, I remember once saying to her, you don't really need me to go on these trips. You don't really need to be seen coming, going there with her entourage with a hairdresser, do you know? But she couldn't really do her hair herself. And uh, she said, well, you know what I do? Because these people I'm going to see, they, they don't want to see me as I come out of the gym or they want to see Lady Di, Princess Diana. And okay, I get it, you know. So she, let, she took me to Mother Teresa's in India, leper colonies, north, uh, up near Peshawar in Pakistan, which is, which is on the Afghan border to refugee camps where, where the kids had, had um, limbs blown off by, um, by um, landmines. And uh, one of the newsreaders of that period, I can't remember his name, had set up a limb fitting center in a refugee camp and she went to bring attention to that. And I would go on to all these places that I, I as a lowly hairdresser, would never, ever have been given access to or even had even thought about going to. And sometimes, sometimes it was harrowing for me because I'm not a natural sort of, um, a natural nurse, if you like. I don't have that kind of, um, I mean, it was quite harrowing to see all those abandoned babies and lepers and and people in the hospital, people dying in the hospice for the dying. She just was amazing with them, you know, and that was overwhelming. And, and I'd be, I'd be very tearful sometimes. But I think it was really important for her that her team, as she called us, her core team, saw what she did and how important it was, not just for her, but for, you know, it was bringing all this attention to these charities because she was very driven by the charity thing, I must say. So that for me, those seven years were only happened because of because I chose to do this job. I mean, many other things have happened too, but that, that particular one, and I was very lucky that Patrick and Anna Harvey introduced us, and I was accepted by them, um, not, not, you know, accepted into their lives in such a kind of, I was, it, it was so, I was made to feel so welcome by all of them, and it was, um, it was an amazing time. It was really, it was, it was, I'll never forget that. How could I? See, I think that's what I was talking about at the beginning. And that was, that, that was about doing the hair. That was yeah, about doing exactly. the hair for half an hour in the morning. Exactly. That, that was about being part of a, an amazing kind of really important team. Do you think it's interesting the way the behind the scenes people have become celebrities in their own right as the fashion industry has evolved in the last 30 years? What do you mean behind them? Sam McKnight. People, it, it's like once upon a time nobody knew dress designers' names no. and then dress designers became superstars. Now, do you not think everyone's a celebrity? I mean, I would, I would hate to have to think of myself as a celebrity. That, oh, no, I mean, you I'm don't a hairdresser. Other people do. No, but I, I, I would hate for other people to think of me like that. You know, that, that's what defines you. I don't know. Cause, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's, celebrities become such a, an easy thing to be, isn't it? It's not, it's not, uh, I, I think to be, I think to be recognized and be sort of, um, uh, well, recognized even just for, for your work or for your achievements is, is one thing, but, but celebrity is something else. Hasn't celebrity become something else, something a bit, um, a bit more sort of quick and easy than, than it used to be, you know? Mm. Well, famous for being famous, definitely yeah. never, never. Yeah. It's never been more 
prevalent. Yeah. You once said that nobody grows old in your job, but you've actually had a second act and a third act oh, in a God, way. I think I'm you? starting Act Four now, <laughs> or Act Five, some might say. <laughs> But you work with everybody now. I mean, right across the board, young people, established people, yeah. I mean, the legends, the newcomers. What would you attribute your longevity to? God, I don't know. I really don't know. Hopefully I can still come up with the goods. I'm not going to divulge anyone's secrets. Um, I re- Do you know what? I think I really want to be there. I really want to be there and I really want to make it happen and I'm really happy, very happy to be there and um, do a great job and be part, of, be part of your team. So do you think about what you do as a kind of performance? Um, oh, it's definitely a performance. I mean, I think nowadays you are more on than you've ever been, we've ever been before because nowadays there is not just the photo shoot to contend with. We're doing these things, and we're also doing the making of. Now, the making of is one video camera, sometimes two, and an extra still camera behind the scenes. Now, that used to entail begging the photographer if someone could film behind the scenes for five minutes on a shoot. Now, it can sometimes take precedent over the shoot. It sometimes takes more time doing the making of because they're in the dressing room and say, oh, can you do that again? Oh, we didn't get that. Can you do that again? Well, no, because we're actually we're getting ready for this. So get it or don't get it. You know. So that, that's become... So we're on. So we, I have now have to think about what I look like before I, I go to work in the morning, you know, because we're on camera. So you're kind of on and you're performing. No, the hair and makeup people have to have hair and makeup. How ridiculous is that? Well, luckily, I don't have to have hair. A bit of makeup, maybe. But no. <laughs> yeah. And why do you think that is? Do you think this because reflects- it's, it's all shown on the internet? I mean, the, the, the making of. I think the making of. Um, I mean, we were in New York last week shooting um, Chanel with Carl, and that very day, I mean, Carl is on a cherry picker up like three stories in uh, Orchard Street photographing Abby Lee on the, um, and, and Freya on the uh, fire escapes. So of course the videos are all over the internet the next day. I mean, everything's so, everything's, is it viral? Do they say viral? Sorry. Mm. Uh, everything's so viral these days, so instant, that I think, and very, very rightly so, and very smartly so, all the big companies are cashing in on this and, the, and their stuff is, I mean, I, I um, am an ambassador for Pantene, and uh, we do, um, we've just done some videos that are going to, um, sort of how-to videos, um, which will be coming shortly. Um, and that's for the internet. I think the internet has changed everything. 